You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. Well, again, welcome to Getting in the Word. I'm Pastor Stuart, and we're going to be teaching uh, from the Bible today, and I've entitled our message, From the Casket to the Kitchen. Um, You know, as a parent, I have a bunch of kids, um, and and I feel I've learned a lot over the years. It's It's amazing just to know how many sermon illustrations come out of our own children's lives. Really, we could have uh, been great sermon illustrations ourselves as young kids, um, but w- we were too young to remember all the silly things we did, m- many of them. But sometimes uh, when we watch our kids, we get a glimpse into our own childhood because of something they did or our mother or father or grandparents did. We remember about that. And we're always really excited to tell the stories that have been passed down to us of the foolish things we have done as children. I remember a story that my mother told me about as I sat in the kitchen one day uh, learning how to count. And I had the eggs, uh, the carton of eggs on the floor with me, and I would crack an egg over the top of my head. One egg, two egg, three, all the way to five. And so that at least that's what my mother told me. I never believed her until I started raising my own children. And I realized that there is absolutely nothing impossible for kids to do. So I don't put anything past the, what children can do anymore now that I have seven myself. But nevertheless, many times those things that happen to us as children are really funny. And uh, they're great moments in life. We we video them. We record them. We We take pictures of them. We laugh at these moments when our kids are learning to walk and they get up and they fall down. And after about three steps or so, they're up and down. We we really find those moments in life exciting so that we can look back as a time of growth in in our children's lives. And while that's true, those are some of the best moments in life. But wouldn't we all agree? that if they continued to do those things, as they excelled in life, as they grew in age, would it it not be so funny anymore? I mean, wouldn't we be worried about the development of our children? Wouldn't we begin to ask others, did your child do this or did your child do that? And maybe even you would take a trip to the doctor to seek counsel on this seemingly growth problem. Why? Well, because we're supposed to grow up. We're supposed to stop doing those things that children do um, and begin the process of becoming a fully grown man and a fully grown woman. You know, this is much like the spiritual life in which we live. And that's why I named this message from the casket to the kitchen, because this should be a great illustration of the process of our life in the Christian walk. As we begin to grow physically and spiritually, 
I want to give this sermon today because I want each of us here today to look at our own life and to be honest in evaluating where we are. Because it's where we begin to see where we are in this process of life. This process for which we call sanctification, growth, becoming more like Christ. That in these moments, we can begin to move forward and begin to grow in our faith and make great impacts for the kingdom of God. Don't you want to make a great impact? For the kingdom of God. Don't you want to be a man or woman who is used by Almighty God for His glory? Well, listen, here are four stages of life that I want us to look at. Four stages in this process or walk that I want you to consider. First, I want you to notice that we, let me post it. We start out in the casket. The second stage of life is the crib. The third stage of life is the table. And the fourth stage of life is the kitchen. So as we start looking at these stages, I want us to understand that we all start in the same place, my friends. But we don't all want to end in the same place. So let's talk about each stage in what they look like and why we need to move from where we are to the next stage of life. Because the reality is this. We don't want to end up where we began. It would not be good for any one of us. So let's begin by looking at the casket. You know, the Bible is very clear that we are all sinners. It says that we have sinned, we've fallen short of the glory of God. It says that the wages of sin is what? Death. It's a wage, you have earned it, and it is death. Every single one of us need to fully grasp where we start this journey in life out. Spiritually dead. And that's why the first stage is the casket. Because you put dead people in a casket. Now, the reality is, is some may say, well, we're not born that way. No, you are born that way. Psalm 51.5 says, in my mother's womb, she conceived me into iniquity. Into sin I was conceived. I was born into sin. Because of Adam and Eve's sin, it's been imputed into you, your sin. The wages of sin is death. Now, this is important for us to grasp. The, the theological term that we would use would be the, the depravity of man. This means that we are all completely dead in our sin. And it, and it started way back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. When, when, we, when we read there, The Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day you eat you will surely die. 
And without going into all the great detail, they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in that day, they died just like God promised they would. They didn't die physically, but they died spiritually. Every single one of us died spiritually because of that sin. They died in the relationship, the companionship that they had with God, and their their personal friendship and relationship with God was severed. And the death that was brought on them is the same death today that is brought on to us. Everyone is born into sin because the Bible says, Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered to the world, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sin. You want to know the greatest pandemic in the world? It isn't the coronavirus. It isn't a Delta variant. No, Romans 5.12 tells us the greatest pandemic that's ever hit humanity, and that is that death has spread to all men because all have sinned. So therefore, our lives begin with being spiritually dead. Where dead people put in? A casket. So we start out in the casket, dead. The reality is, is every child we have, we come to the reality that this child is born into trespass and sin. And there is an age of accountability, I believe, which a child may go to be with the Lord before he was ever born or as a young child or an infant, not understanding right from wrong. But just because this child will not be at the age of accountability at birth doesn't negate our responsibility to help teach, train, and move them from one stage of life to the next as they grow up as children. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and in the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. We are dead people, spiritually, and need life. In God, it is not you, not your good deeds, not your effort. No, God, loving us so much, took the initiative to make it possible that through His Son, we might come to life that we might make it to the next stage of life. This morning, the reality is you may be still living your life in the casket. You may be alive physically, but listen to me very clearly. That will go away. And you will step into eternity in a place called hell or into a place called heaven. Everybody lives for eternity. And listen, he is coming here, you're going there. It makes no difference. It just matters which side of the line you're on. 
You may be living your life in the casket. You may be like one of those persons that I've met when I ask them if they were to stand before God and God says, why well, should I let you into heaven? And they say something like, well, I've been a good person. No, you haven't. I've never met a good man. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. There's no one who seeks after God, not one. Maybe they say, well, I'm, I'm, I've done good deeds. No, you haven't. Your greatest deeds, the Bible says, are filthy rags. I give to the poor. Will you give with a bad heart, with intentions, with trying to get something? You say, well, I love God. Oh, really? The Bible says in John 14, if you love me, you keep my commandments. Do you keep the commandments? Well, yeah, I keep the commandments. You ever, you ever, uh, stole, you ever stole anything? Yeah. You ever told a lie? Yeah. You ever looked at a woman with lust? No. You just told me you were a liar. Come on. You know you have. The reality is this. Hear me today. The answer of a person that is still living in the casket is that they're dead spiritually. Galatians 2.21 says, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there's no need for Christ to die. Listen, if doing those good things could make us right with God, then Christ did not need to die. So how do you know if you're in the casket? How do you know if you're spiritually dead? Because we don't want to stay there and ever, forever and die that way, lest we be separated from God eternally in a place called hell. We want to see someone move from the casket to the next stage of life. We all start there, though. But not all live there still, and not all leave there. Some will have too much pride. Some will be so entrenched into the slavery of sin that they will remain there. But we want to see you move. We want to see you grow. We want to see you be changed. We want to see you move to the next stage of life. And that takes simply trusting the gospel. That simply takes trusting that God in His great mercy and His great grace sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on your behalf. And He was buried and, 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 and rose again from the grave. That You know, the gospel, the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's what Paul says saves you. So do you believe that with all of your heart? That what Jesus did was enough to pay for your sins, to make you right with God, if you would simply believe in what He did on the cross for you and repent of your sins and turn to God? Listen, it's only then you can cross over to the next stage. It's only then you can come out of that casket and move on and proceed to the next stage of life. So what's holding you back today? Because we have something in common, all of us. And that is that we all start out in the casket, dead in our trespasses and sin, spiritually bankrupt, dead and unable to save ourselves. Yet God, by his loving, 
merciful grace, sends his son as a savior into the world that you might have life. Now you lack one thing. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And when you trust in Christ and you call out on him, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. When you call on him, the Bible says you will be saved. You don't have to doubt that. You can be certain. He says, these things I've written to you so that you may believe that you have eternal life, that you may know you have eternal life. So we move from the casket. Because of salvation in Christ, he gives us life called regeneration. We are a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new have come. And we move to the next stage, which is the crib. Now, I know it sounds silly, but what do you put in the cribs? You put in babies. Now, please listen to me this morning. This may be painful for some, but don't shut me down. Because babies are awesome. They're great. They're a blessing from God. We don't want them to stay babies, but babies are great. I mean, they're amazing humans. Baby Christians are in cribs. And the more time that I spend as a pastor, the more baby Christians I see. And what that is telling me is that many times we are not doing our jobs in training babies how to become adults. I want to become a better trainer, a better discipler, teaching believers, Christians, infant Christians, how to transition from one stage of their Christian life to the next. So how do you know if you're still a baby Christian today? I mean, that would be helpful information for all of us. Because while we might be grown up in this physical body, while you may have been in church your whole life, while you may find yourself among those who have been Christians most of all of their life, the reality is that doesn't make you an adult, does it? So here's the deal. You might find yourself doing things babies do in your walk. So what are some things that baby Christians might do? Well, babies, what? Find themselves fighting with other Christians. <laughs> babies fight just about anything, over anything. Left alone, listen, they'll slap. They'll pull hair, they'll kick, they'll poke, they'll punch, they'll scream, they'll argue. Uh, they're little vipers in a diaper. They would kill you if they could. They, they haven't yet learned that the other person is not their enemies. So they live as though they were, and they are always fighting with other brothers and sisters in Christ. So let me ask you today, are you mad at another brother in Christ, sister in Christ, 
They are not your enemy, my friend. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against this world, against the devil and, and our flesh. And these are the driving enemies that we need to be fighting with. Not your brother or sister in Christ. But that's what babies do. They fight. Put two kids in a room with one toy, sit back and watch. They'll fight with each other. What else uh, is an example of a baby Christian? Well, baby Christians enjoy being the center of attention. You know, I watch my own kids, my own children do this, and I'm there's nothing wrong with that. I, I remember one of my children. At a really young age, when, when he would sit on the couch, he'd sit in my lap, he'd grab my face with both hands, and he would turn my face to straight into his. He, he wanted my attention. And uh, that's what we do as baby Christians. We, we always want to be the center of attention. I'm sure I was always doing the same thing when I was a kid. and. Uh, it, Babies will scream. They'll they'll call out your name a thousand times until you turn and listen. Mama, 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 mama. They, you know women. You know I'm telling you the truth because they'll come knock on your bathroom door when you're trying to use the bathroom. They, mama, mama. They, they, they need your attention. They need to be the center of attention. They want to be known for what they've done. And so they they hang little drawings on the fridge for things they've done, and we try to make them feel special. It's all part of showing our kids we love them. But I, I don't want my kids to always be pulling on my face to get my attention. I don't want my kids to always be screaming forever when they want what they want and they want it their way. It's great to see baby babies doing these things, but it's not good, what, if they never grow up and start being respectful. So they, 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 these babies want the, to be the center of attention. So this probes us to ask us ourselves the question, do we want to be the center of attention? Or are we more concerned about the work of Almighty God? Or are we so much more concerned about expanding our kingdom on this earth, making a name for ourselves? You see, the, some of the greatest men of God are those who do the work behind the scenes that never are acknowledged for. Well, next I want you to see babies are shallow in their understanding. Babies have very little knowledge and understanding. They, they, and they, they, they're just not wise. They do things that make no sense and things that are so unexpected. And therefore, we should expect the unexpected from babies. I was unexpected of what babies do with their own bodily functions until I had seven children. But now I know there is nothing impossible for a child to do. When I was a child, I remember shooting out the windows of an RV across the street from my house. 
Why would I do something so stupid? Makes no sense now that I look back other than my lack of understanding. They, they, they just don't think well. They do things that make no sense. They do things that that don't consider that's somebody else's window or that's going to cost them money or I might go to jail for that. And for probably many other reasons, we ought not do those things. But when I was doing those things, I, I thought none of that because I had no understanding. Babies can eat insects. They can play in the street. They can jump into the water far over their heads. They don't even know how to swim. They can even drink poison. Babies can drown in a bucket upside down. I about lost a child in a bucket upside down. Hunter, my second boy, one years old, about drowned, had to rush him to the ER. Terrifying moment. So it's not until we begin to teach them and give them, right? The how to think properly. It's not until we give them a good diet of the word of God that they begin for themselves to see and to understand and to obtain the, the knowledge and the of physical things and spiritual things. And again, it's it, it's expected, right? Like this isn't a negative thing. You you ought not feel bad if you go, well, I'm here and I'm a baby Christian. But listen, that's a good thing to come to the conclusion to if that's what you are, so that you can move to the next stage. But not only uh, are babies shallow in their understanding, babies are easily offended. They're very sensitive in their lives. Their feelings are easily hurt. When things don't go their way, they, they will whine, they'll cry, they'll pout, they'll sulk. They'll even throw little temper tantrums. Listen, these things, again, are expected for babies. But if my son, at the age of 10, is still doing these things, i got a big problem. And, and for some, maybe it's 19 years old and they're still doing it. It's a big problem, isn't it? Psalm 119, 165 says, Those who love your law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble, says, Nothing shall offend them. So the King James Version says. So you if you're easily offended, that's a mark of immaturity. Because Being easily offended reveals there's the root issue of pride. So, not only should we not be offended, babies are never satisfied. Babies always seem to whimper and cry for things. They they get hungry and, and they fuss, so so you feed them. They they get tired, they start crying, they begin 
acting crazy, so you give them a nap. Then they wake up and with a dirty diaper, you change their diaper, and 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 then they want to play. And then when they're tired of playing, they scream and they cry, and and they're hot and they scream and they cry, and they're cold and they scream and they cry. They they bump their head and they begin to cry again. The child's the the babies are are seemingly never satisfied. It's a constant, isn't it? And that's why some people have decided they don't want children. They can't deal with an all-consuming human. Well, listen, babies are a blessing. They're not a curse. Baby Christians are a blessing. At least they're not in the casket. It's just time to move to the next stage of life. Babies are all about themselves. Doesn't that hurt you? Don't we all have a tendency sometimes to act like babies? Listen, it's okay. We are expected to do those things, but not forever. There are so many ways which we can determine if we are still in the crib, but I think those few things will give us plenty to judge off of, to see where we are, and then make the decision, the determination under the strength and the power of Almighty God to move, allow Him to grow us so that we can move to the next stage of life. We need babies to move to the next stage of life. No one should be mad at a baby for acting like a baby, that it's expected. So many times I think we have false expectations. And listen, false expectations lead to disappointments. What's hard to deal with is with a baby that just won't grow up. It's hard to deal with a baby that just won't start wearing his big boy and big girl pants. Let's help move to the next stage of your walk with Christ. It, it happens in God's timing. But nevertheless, we want to see you move from the crib to now the table. Now, the table is a tough stage of life. It's a bigger stage, a more responsible stage, but things get messy at the table. Um, if I could post a picture, maybe I'd post a kid with a dirty face sitting at the table with spaghetti all over his face. Because here at the table, what happens? Kids are learning to eat on their own. They're learning how to pick up a fork and a spoon and and get the food into their mouth. Typically, they get food everywhere. And just like in other stages... In the Christian walk, listen, it's expected, isn't it? So what do we buy? We buy bibs and we, we buy tarps and everything else to, to keep the house clean. Sometimes that doesn't even work. But nevertheless, we maybe even put them in a high chair. We wear a raincoat if it gets real bad. The great things begin to happen, though, at the table. God begins to show you truth. He begins to give you understanding. You begin to see and understand that you can't do those things anymore. 
You are now beginning to feed on the word of God. It's a little sloppy. Your, your theology is pretty nasty, but that's okay. It's a growth issue. And that's why it's really important, my friends, who feeds you. Because at the table, somebody's still feeding you. God begins more and more to become real in your life. And you begin to like being at the table. The table is a place where fellowship happens and you begin building relationships. You begin talking and enjoying the company of fellowship around you with brothers and sisters and and mothers and fathers and grandparents and everybody. You're laughing together. You're telling jokes at the table and you even begin to tell others at the table what God is doing in your life. And there is a steady diet of food that is brought to you. You may think you, you may say things like, pass the beans, the hog mog, the pig feet. Sorry, we're we don't do that in South Carolina. <laughs> you may say, pass the, the bread or pass the potatoes. How about give me a slice of that? Steak or hamburger. Listen, things are good at the table. The fellowship is great. The food is good. So really the table becomes a comfortable place to be. Someone is bringing you something to eat and that's okay, but not forever. Some have stayed at the table their whole lives as Christians. And they're okay with staying there. because Why? It's easy. Mama's going to bring me food. And listen, not all the time does, does the, the, these young kids at the table want the food that's brought to them. But mama and daddy or whoever's providing the food most likely knows what's healthy. And sometimes we need to eat not because we want for it to taste so great, because we need the nutrition. Listen, sometimes truth can be bittersweet. Sometimes God's word can be hard to swallow. But I promise you, if you are on a steady diet of candy, of something that's never bitter, and hard to swallow, you will become malnourished, my friend. So be careful who you feed from at the table. Now, at the table, in my life, I had men serving me. I had men training me to eat properly, to stay clean in my eating. I remember those days of men in my life like Jimmy Farabee, John Chittister, who would come to my home and sit with me at my table and feed my spiritual hunger, giving me a spiritual meal from the Word of God. I remember those days when men like John Chittister invested in my life week after week, one-on-one discipleship, memorizing the Word of God over and over and over. 
but they didn't train me to sit at the table. Listen, many have settled down at the table. Your comfort level is good. You're okay with the milk of the word. Listen, men have invested. Pastors have spent time teaching and praying for you. But like Hebrews 5.12 says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's words. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid foods. Listen, there is only one way to start eating solid food. And that means, my friends, we have to grow up and take responsibility, knowing that someone is cooking the food for you and that one day you need to move into the kitchen. And began that part of preparing the spiritual food for the kids at the table. Preparing food for someone else. The way that this is done is that we must push back from the table and all of its comforts and get into the kitchen. You see, this modern day American Christianity is nauseating. We we think for some reason, because we've just been, we call it blessed, but I'm not so sure it's a blessing. It might be a curse. We don't experience persecution. I mean, we, we don't even like going to a church that has doesn't have good air conditioning. We don't like to sit for more than 30 minutes to listen to the word of God being preached from a man who has studied 30 hours on a sermon. The chairs are too hard. My bottom hurts. I can't stay awake. Listen, we we have to grow up in our faith. We have to become mature and understand that this American Christianity isn't normal. Normal Christianity is what we see happening in the missionaries and pastors in Afghanistan who are being beheaded, who are being killed for their faith. That's normal Christianity. When you read your Bible, you don't see American Christianity. You see Afghan Christianity. But we've made it normal because we like to be comfortable at the table when we need to get up from the table and move into the kitchen. But we've got to learn to eat right before we can move into the kitchen. Now, the kitchen is where you are now preparing the food. Listen, this is there's fellowship in the kitchen. There's even eating in the kitchen. Like, right, the good chef gets to taste all the food before it hits the table. You know, every week I'm, I'm in my little, uh, my kitchen here in my office, in my study, and, 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 I'm, and I'm baking up a good meal, and I'm, I, 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 I get to eat it, and I get to taste it, and I, and I get to ingest it, and, and I get to feel what God is putting on my heart and speaking to my soul, and then I go back and I feed it to the world. It's a wonderful place to be, to be in the kitchen. And we get to taste the food before it's the table. You know, the kitchen is where the Lord wants you to strive to be. Now, not everybody is going to be a teacher, but listen, 
we've all been called to share the gospel. We've all been called to teach our children the word of God. The Lord wants you to be in the kitchen. He wants you to strive to be there where the Lord will help guide you through all the stages of life so that you can end up being a preparer of the word. And you know, I'm I'm really blessed that we spend, I mean, we spend a lot of time on this channel. And I know many of you spend many hours upon hours in these chat rooms. And I'm just so in, encouraged by so many of you that are using your talents and your gifts to feeding others. You know, I watch Patty Gable put out her videos. I watch Michael sharing his faith on his channel. I watch Kendra building her videos and putting them out there. She's learning to share her faith. I watch Cher and going up into the mountains and and, and helping provide for food for those and sharing the gospel of Christ and infiltrating Facebook with the Word of God. So many of you doing so many things for the glory of God. All have permeated from being together here. That's the way it should be. You, you should all be infiltrating the world with the gospel. <laughs> Because you all need to be in the kitchen. It takes time. You don't just end up in the kitchen. You got to learn how to cook. You got to learn how to study the Word of God. There's a proper way to study and to read and to understand the Word of God. We, we have to learn that we, we have to use the Word for the way it was designed and not wrong interpretations. It's a process. God wants you to end up in the kitchen. The Lord gives us directions of what He wants us to do with your life when He says, go therefore and make disciples. How do you make disciples? You have to cook for them. You have to provide the meal for them. You have to carry the food to their table. You have to clean up after them. Go make disciples. Baptizing. Right? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then what does it say? Teaching them to observe all of commanded you. And he says, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We are called by Christ to do something. It's not to always be at the table. It's not always to be a baby in the crib. We need to grow into a man and woman who's able to teach because you've studied and you've worked hard and you're able to communicate God's Word. But you say, Pastor, I'm not trained like you. You've been, I'm still in school. You've been to undergrad, got a Bible degree. You've been to... Seminary, you've got a master's degree. You've been to uh, seminary again, and now you're working on a doctorate. I'm not trained. I didn't have Bible college. Listen, 
I don't remember 15% of what I learned in college. Can we just be honest? I've looked at more books, and I couldn't tell you what was in the first chapter when I got to chapter 3. When people fail to move from the table to the kitchen, this is what happens. People get burnt out. They, they become overwhelmed because they, they're having to feed everyone at the table. And there's no plans of helping. There's no plan of, of, of partnership and taking care of those in the crib and at the table and, and, and trying to be bring those out of the casket. So the reality is this. To those that have placed their faith in Christ, it's time. Now is the time that we begin to see where we are in this Christian walk of life and move to the next stage until we find ourselves feeding God's sheep. We all need to be suppliers at some point in life instead of consumers. And there is a time, listen, for every stage of life. He says, if you love me, feed my sheep. This is what we need to understand. Listen, though the kitchen gets hot, it gets messy, it backs up with orders, just remember there's always room for one more hand preparing the meals for God's sheep, for the flock of God. There's always room to teach them to observe all the commands of the Lord. And I can promise you I love my job, but I will not be here forever. And if I don't find a replacement for me, I've failed at doing my job. I need to be a man who is in a kitchen preparing chefs. I'm blessed to see people in the kitchen, in our church, and in this channel. But I still see people at the table that should be in the kitchen. And you know what? Can I, and then I'm just going to be raw, and I'm just going to be honest. If, 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 if there was as much attention in the decoding of Q put into the Word of God, you would be a master chef. If there was as much attention put into the Word of God as there is worrying about a vaccine or Trump or who the president is, because listen, if Jesus returns tomorrow, none of it matters. You would be a master chef. You do what's important to you. So listen, my challenge my admonishment, my encouragement to you is to put your big boy and girl pants on. Get to the table and prepare to move forward to the kitchen. There may be even some here today that are in the casket still dead in your trespasses and sins. 
then with God's help, the, the moving of the Spirit of God in your life, my prayer is that you will move not only from the casket by trusting in Christ to the, to the crib, from the crib to the table, and from the table to the kitchen, so that you might be a master chef for Christ, that you might honor God with your life, with your gifts, with your time, your talent, and your treasure for the glory of God.